Sile there, Save Me is the name of the song and quite fitting then to lead us into our second hour of the show. Let me welcome into studio Nongule Komtembu, who is the co-founder of Usukuluetu Foundation. Nongule Lako, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you so I'm much good. for making time to come and be part of this conversation. Nozi Popule is also the co-founder of Usukuluetu Foundation. Nozi Po, good morning. Morning, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I'm good. A pleasure to host you as well this morning. And joining us on the line, somebody who is uh, really no stranger to this platform, Nomfundo Mohapi, is the CEO of the Center for Mental Wellness and Leadership. Uh, Sister Nomfundo, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Hi, Kathy. Morning. Morning, Nongkululego. Morning, Nozipo. Thank you for having me, Kathy. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Let me begin in studio with Nongkulego and Nozipo and perhaps ask you, you know, what goes through your mind as you hear uh, that song by Tembisile, Save Me from This Cruel, Cruel Man, because the statistics that we have on paper um, in this country about the conditions of women tell us that there are so many women who are in a position where inside they're crying out for that help. They, they're saying, save me from this man, but somehow are just unable to, to get out. Let me begin with you, Nonko. Um, I relate so much to the song, actually, hey, because I remember there was a time, um, I don't have parents, by the way, but when I dated this particular person who was very abusive to me, I did not listen. <laughs> Everybody tried to save me before I was even there. So I remember this other time it was playing on TikTok and I was just there sitting down there. I had messed myself because I was brutally beaten up. And when I tuned into my TikTok, the song was playing there. Unfortunately, I do not have a mother to save me. I had to go to my God and ask him to give me strength to at least be strong enough to leave the relationship. So I relate so much to the song and it gives me memories of what happened to me. Mm. Um, yeah, All I relate right. so much to it. And and we'll get a little bit into your own personal story in a yeah. moment. No Lego. No Zippo, for you? Um, <clears throat> you know what I'm going to say, Ask Kathy? Uh, you know, it's not like whoever that you meet go starting as the person I'm broken inside, you know. Um, and we don't sometimes listen to, you know, people that can see someone for who they are because we we just in love, you know. And when it happens, uh you you start making excuses for those for those people and you start um, blaming yourself for that you know so it becomes really difficult for you to leave that relationship it's it's very sad because it continues and continues and continues and you start getting used to it it becomes a norm mm-hmm. so for you to leave that relationship it's even difficult because whoever that can advise you however how would we anything you know until your heart says this is it I'm mm-hmm. leaving and when you leave you leave as a you coming back tomorrow mm. you know so you have to just listen to yourself and listen to what everyone says to you because if if two people or more people can warn you about one person mm. then you know you really need to listen because you don't want to find yourself or edited to the stats and that's what's happening mm. Lumfundo, let me ask you to come in here and and perhaps if we can just 
begin by setting a context and and it's really a context for where we are as a country and it's around the fact that the majority of violence that happens to women in this country takes place within the confines of their homes but takes place in the context of relationships that women are in how much more complex does this does that make you know dealing with and addressing the issue of 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 gender based violence and femicide yeah Kathy, it is really really complex and as a society we have done a lot of work i think in beginning to understand you know the drivers the causal factors you can search all of these and putting institutions that address gpv we've got the nsp which is which responds to the president and I think for me, what um, Unozipo just said, you know, Uguti, when the person comes, I am broken inside. But also just the psychological difficulty of the survivors to first of all identify and be able to speak out. In addition to that, a society that enables the violence and doesn't create a conducive space for survivors to show up. So, Kathy, as you are saying, one of the key issues that we need to start to focus on now is the work that needs to happen for us personally at a psychological level, but also within the institutions and organizations, the human capital that is supposed to do the work. And I think they are touching beautifully into that. So we need a much more nuanced understanding of the complications at a social and psychological level that are driving GPV. Nongkululeko, at at which point did you make the decision to come out and start speaking publicly? Maybe not on a platform like SAFM, (laughs) right? But to speak out about what you are going through in your relationship and, and the abuse that you were subjected to. Okay, um, to be quite honest, um, I'm a very, I don't know <laughs> what personalities do I have, but I would never hide abuse. I'm one person, if I don't feel okay, I'd literally tell everybody. But then with him, it was easy for me to catch that he was an abusive person because I was abused by my mom. I grew up in a very abusive relationship with my mom. My mom was very abusive. She was always angry. She was mm-hmm. all, all of that. And then when he started behaving like that, I could sense my mom in him. But I have never heard that I was being abused. I would tell my neighbors. I would call even Unozipo. We, we had not even met at that time face to face. I would tell her, this is what he did today and this is what he, whatever, whatever. But um, I feel like also women, we are our own biggest enemies to each other because I remember I would tell a few women that this is what I'm going through and then whenever we had arguments they would come back and say you know things like that so it came to a point where I started hiding it from people because now I was afraid that should we have an argument as normal human beings it will be used against me so I, I, I've never hide my abusive side of the mm-hmm. story. I've always told people because I would seek help from everyone and I'd want advices, especially from strangers, I would tell them. So, yeah, I've never hide it. How, 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 how did the, the abuse start in your relationship or your previous relationship? 
you know, it, it started, um, actually, it started when we started dating, coming to think of it. Because abuse does not necessarily mean a man has to beat you up. It started with things like, I've never dated an ugly girl like you. I've never dated a short girl like you. Oh my gosh. He, he, he would say that yeah, to you. Yes, he would say that to me. And he would laugh, like laugh, laugh so bad. And he'd be like, I've never seen such an ugly person. This is my first time dating an ugly girl. Hey, you, you, I, I'm always on short hair. So he would be like, yay. Hey, things like that. To an extent that I adapted the whole thing. It's only this year, not recently, that um, I'm starting to, and even Nozipo can consist to that. Whenever people say, um, you umuhle, you pretty, I never respond. I just look at them and keep quiet. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, wow. What is this girl saying to me? <laughs> so um, it got into me so no, bad. Like, I can't imagine anybody describing you as ugly because you are beautiful. Yo, it happened. He would complain even about my body size. At that time, I was a, a, a bit petite. I was not this body size. So he'd complain, yo, you're like this. Yo, umkaba. Yo, this. Yo, this. He'd complain about my height. And I'd be shocked that this person came to me. I was short. I've never been tall. So why is it that he's going to complain? And then it, it, it went on and on. You know, we when a person is abusive, they won't beat you first. They, they, they start, they train you mentally that this is how I'm going to treat you and you adapt to it. And then the first encounter when he laid his hands on me, he said um, I was looking to another, his friend. Mm -hmm. So we were having a conversation about depression, I remember very well. And we were look obviously when you have a conversation with someone, you won't look down. He said he has never seen my eyes so beautiful and glowing. He came and slapped me. And said I wanted to seduce that guy. So, and it went on and on and on. I would never say he would beat me for cheating or not. So ever he would beat me for little things, as going out and going to chill at a next door neighbor. And we were living in rooms, like you know, mm. rooms and townships. Mm, exactly. So obviously you can't not communicate with those people. It's not like it's a big yard and you need to walk out. Mm. They were here. My neighbors knew that I was not allowed to talk to them and they were not allowed to come to my room. So I was already only sitting inside the room and not going outside. Yeah. yeah. Why why did you you stay? Why did you take it? To be quite honest, Kathy, um I've always wanted love. More than money, more than anything, love. Because um the person that did this to me is not financially well. I would never say it was about money. I stayed because I wanted love. I stayed because I did not want to be at home. Because home as well is not a nice place for me. It gives me bad memories. It makes me to become a bitter mom to my kids. So I wanted a safe space where I could be with someone that loves me. It was really not about love. Um, sorry, about money. Mm -hmm. Because um, he would not even give me money for my haircut. He would complain. A haircut in a township is like 20 rand. But he would do his hair and buy himself clothes and outlook the way I'm looking with those few clothes that he would even complain about and saying, but you dress like an old person. You are like this, but I do not have money to buy clothes. Mm -hmm. So it was not really about money. It was about me trying to get comfort and me being loved because when I grew up, um, I hardly dated. I hardly even, <laughs> I want to be in relationships or mm -hmm. I just don't like those things. So whenever I get someone, I just want 
You want to hold on. on. I want to hold them. I want them to love me. I want them to fill that space. Mm. There's a mm. gap inside me and I want it to be filled. But even if mm-hmm. it gets filled, I feel like it's not enough. So I want it to overflow. But it, I seem, it seems like I keep getting the wrong people to do it for me. Sure. I mean, what what a story, and and thank you so much um, for for sharing that with us, Nunguleko, and and being so open about your experience. Nozipo, let me come to you because you also um, are a survivor of uh, of abuse in in a relationship. Well, what's your story? How did you end up in that relationship in the first <coughs> place? Um, wait, ask Kathy with me. I was twenty one. I met him January. And, you know, we continued, according to me, Nikibu Tahore, we we friends, right? And then I remember uh, when I met him, Nikibu go an interview, um, and he was just working around the, you know, just not far from the offices. So um, then he, you know, started asking me out, you know, I started enjoying the attention. And just a little bit of a background where I'm coming from, I lost my mom, you know, at uh, I was 16, I raised myself so that I can be able to go to school. You know, I don't, my father was absent. I had a sister, but she was married. So it was that time where I was lonely a lot mm-hmm. and I didn't have anyone to go to. I just had myself. So when I met him, I thought, oh, wow, you know, God is blessing me now. And and I I don't... I'm coming from a background where I don't have an experience here, abuse. I don't know how it starts, how to, you know, notice red flags. I don't know anything. So um, then April, I fell pregnant. October, the same year, uh, you know, and then that's when then it started because he started feel he started telling me, Hori, he owns me, you know. Uh, I remember when he first slapped me, uh, I had my sister and her husband uh, visiting and he started acting up and I was, you know, confused. Oh, yeah, no. Where is this coming from? You know, is it wrong? Do you? And he's like, no, yeah, you're acting weird when you're around your family and stuff like that. You know, and then he slapped me and locked me. And I started screaming, you know, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you. You know, and, and he apologized. So that's when now I started getting used to the abuse because he would beat me up, leave me there, mm-hmm. take my phones, lock me inside the house, come back a few hours later, and then um, whatever I'm not gonna call the police. I'm not gonna say anything. And he would even tell me, Hore, you force me. You you make me do these things. Mm. You know why Osatul? Why Osantlompi? Don't you understand that I own you? You know you're not even supposed to be having your friends around, your family around. They're not even supposed to be visiting you. So I started Linda changing that personality. As bubbly as I am now, I'm sitting at home and I'm thinking, okay, I'll wait for him. I'm not working. I'm a mother. You know, and he would do these things in front of our child. He would even force himself to me. You know, he would beat me up brutally and then force himself to me. Mm-hmm. And I would just lie there, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't have anyone to run to because I've always been alone, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Until then, uh, you know, I started speaking out and I started talking to his family because then I had to learn these things by myself. And I called his family and I asked them, and they knew, 
you know and i feel like sometimes when they you know i feel like families also contribute a lot mm. into these things because they already know and therefore they you know force things faster faster you know, I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity to continue in a moment. We're in conversation with Ngululego and Nozipo, both of them co-founders of Usukuluetu Foundation. And it's a vehicle that they're using uh, to reach out to other women that um, are survivors of violence. We'll be hearing more about their stories. But Nomfundo Mohapi, the CEO of the Center for Mental Wellness and Leadership, is also part of the conversation. It's time for your 1030 news headlines. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. We continue the conversation on the talking point and we're really looking at how we break the cycle of gender-based violence and femicide in our country and particularly just beginning with um, hearing from those that have survived um, this this violence and been able to come through uh, on the other side. And we're just hearing from Nozipo before we went into the news headlines. Nozipo, at, 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 at what point did, did it strike you that, you know, the, the situation was no longer, um, it, that the situation had become untenable, that you needed to get out? Because listening to both of your stories, that the first time, you experience this abuse and this violence is not enough that seemingly it, it you, you women in these situations tend to wait for more to happen before that decision is made um i had uh we've got two kids together and he used to do those things in front of the kids our first uh, born is a girl so my daughter was four years. I remember when I was lying there crawling. So I got diagnosed with asthma as well. Um, mm. He had beat me up, locked me inside the house again with the kids. I'm bleeding this time. And I'm having an asthma attack. And my daughter, a four-year-old, comes and um, tries and comfort me and says, don't worry, sharp. Mm. You know, and that was it for me. I knew that I'm going to raise a broken child, and I thought I'm staying because of the kids, and and it wasn't it wasn't happening. It wasn't good anymore, mm. and I felt oh, it's either I'm going to die or I'm going to raise Barnabas and and which I won't be able to you know uh, control them. I'm still struggling with my daughter right now because I would get, you know, she has this sort of attitude that I don't understand, you know, and uh, she would beat other kids already, you know, she would give me an attitude, you know, something that I'm still struggling with six years later. Mm. I want to come in here and really just draw on on, on the insight of, of your experience, um, having had the opportunity to work with, with many other women that find themselves in, in similar conditions. It's interesting to me that both Nungulego and Nozipo set a context of their own personal histories and what it is that they have gone through in their lives. Um, that upon reflection, being better and stronger people today, they believe could well have contributed 
to why they stayed in these relationships for as long as they did. Sure, Kathy. Um, just again, thank you to Nakula Gunnosipo for sharing your stories. It's not an easy thing to do. However, it does liberate other people and break the silence. So from the stories that they said, Katie, the one thing I really want to pick up, and Nakula Gunnosipo said it, Wuti, you do not have to be beaten up for it to be violent. And they mentioned the emotional abuse, uh, even in the mentioned it. And that's usually where it starts. And we are not trained to identify those when a person breaks you by how they talk to you. They, they, they break your self-esteem. They make you question yourself. And you know, the person said it's almost as if they are training you mentally for the violence later because by the time they lay their hands on you, they have made you to question yourself, question who you are. Actually, Janice Bowman called it um, a prolonged, repeated trauma where you begin to even change your perceptions about yourself. If you are somebody who used to be confident, know yourself, they make you to question yourself. So that's a very important thing that run away from the time when there's just those emotional indications. The social isolation, when someone tries to move you away from family because the presence of social circle and people that support you makes it easier to move up and to stay. But I also wanted to highlight, because most of the time when we talk about the drivers of GPV, we don't talk about the internal issues. And and Katie, we need to talk about this, but with a lot of empathy, because it's not a blame game, but we are saying that we need to look at what is it within us that sometimes hooks us right to these abusive relationships. And uh, talked about the need for belonging, for security, um, for love, and sometimes it's not just financial. And also when you've had an abusive mother, it's difficult. You are hoping that you can repair your childhood pain through the relationships that you have. So what, what, what emerges from me, Kate, is that most of the time when you talk about GPV, we tell women you need to leave. But we don't appreciate the journey that it takes to do that. And we begin to work with women to say, okay, if you do stay, how do you stay differently? How do you begin to, to build your self-esteem? How do you begin to create a safety, safety plan? How do you begin to ensure that um, you have people around you that are supporting you and you have a support system? So create a plan for how you are going to live. You said the phrase, how, how you're going to stay differently. Um, and, and to me, that suggests that there is also an acceptance that not everybody who is in an abusive relationship is at the point where they're willing to accept and acknowledge that they have to yeah. leave. Yes. Um, and, and, and you can't make decisions for people, right? It's a journey, Katie, and I think what we usually do, and, and, and out of seeing the danger, we then pressurize uh, the women to leave, and if they don't leave, then there's this sense of shame and guilt that everybody wants me to leave. It takes women um, anything from five years to ten years before they leave that relationship. So what they are not yet ready, what are some of the things we can begin to support? Because what we know is that the more the woman can reconnect with self and believe in themselves and self-confidence, the better able, the more they can undo all these emotional things and negativity that their partner says that, as Nogulego says it, train them 
for the abuse, the better they can be able to get out. They need a safety plan. So some women will tell you, I want to leave, but this person is dangerous. If I leave, I don't know where I'm going to plan. What am I going to do? Help the woman to do that. Also, how do you have a social system that does not depend on this person? Because with social isolation, they try to make sure that your friends are the same. So have friends outside. Maybe you might be sitting and your your friend your friendships have been broken because of this relationship and how this person made you do things. But begin to rebuild that. And when you can do that, you might be ready to leave. Nongulego, let me come back to you and and just stay with with, with this issue around leaving, right? And considerations. Um, you you said at the beginning of the interview that. Uh, regardless of how many people told you that you needed to leave, um, it, it simply wasn't something that you were ready to confront. Do you recall in those moments sort of what your your considerations were? Of course, it's easier to look back at it now mm. because you're out of it. But if you to take yourself back into where you were at that point, why was it so difficult for you to come out? Um, okay, Kathy. Um, with what Unomfundo said, I think I can relate to those women who did not leave. So I left him and went to stay in another city to avoid him. And then he later made sure that he finds me and comes to me. Mm-hmm. And then when he's coming back now, um, I, we go back to saying, no, I can't be with you. When you are like this, you're like this, you're like this. Remember, I, I got the courage to leave, and now I'm no more this person or Kalayo who's easily shaped by him and all that, only to find out that even the abusers themselves, it's. I am not saying every woman should go through it. I am promoting that women should at least walk away for their own safety and lives. But... Um, I had found out that the, my partner grew up without knowing his mother. So he was left, um, like, Ushiwagamgani. They were working together. The woman gave birth and just gave him away, and he di- the lady disappeared too to this day. He grew up not knowing his identity. He grew up in a family where they had surnames. He did not have a surname. He did not have a birth certificate. He did not have an ID. Imagine what that thing does to a person psychologically of them growing in a household where everybody has the same name and it's only you then they say no i used to work with your mom at jimmy stern and spa but then now i don't know where your mom is and i'm just gonna mm-hmm. try to get you a birth certificate so you get to school so it made me again understand that where he was coming from though i could not understand why did he want to do it to me because it was his own issues what I liked about the whole situation is him encouraging me to do Usugulwetu because I had Basadi last year. We were doing it, but then um, we did not have that courage. Mm. So we met again with Usisno Zipo and we said, no, now we call it Usugulwetu, meaning now it's our time. This is the time we break the circles. That's the reason why our concept is saying we do not deal with um, women only that have been abused. We deal with men as well because we found out that this men are also broken souls. And two broken souls at one house, we don't... I get we don't help each other because mm. we're broken together. Mm. But I think it also goes with a thing of does the person want to change? Are they seeking for help? What's wrong with them? And then when they start talking, but then um, 
what gets to be a problem now is he has trained you to be this monster and now he's changed but you're still holding back now you're becoming very defensive because you have outgrown his bullying you have you are strong now you are having new goals and you have set yourself a goal and a vision that this is mm. the woman that I want to become and I'm not going to allow anyone or anything to mm. bully me or make me feel sad be it it's friendships be it it's a mother be it it's what you always want to be defensive in everything you do so to be quite honest I don't know with Usis Nomfundo I feel like um, abuse is, 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 it's not a circle that comes just here because we're seeing it. Mm. I feel like it's something deep within because now I've also became that person that is very defensive and I'm the one who does the pushing around now because I feel like you have mastered this, you have trained me and then now it's time for you to dance to your own tone. Mm. So I would not advise women to stay because they're saying their partners has changed. And I do not advise them again to leave. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying think about yourself. Think about the human being that you're becoming. Mm -hmm. Whilst looking at that person, thinking you've forgiven them. And every time they do something, you easily triggered. All right. Sesno Fundo, do you want to come in there? Yeah, well, thank you for um, such powerful insights um, that you have actually brought in here. I think for me, from... What you've just said now, it is at the core, right? When you're saying that the abuse is much deeper. And we always say that broken people break out, break others, injured people injure others. What will continue to make GPV to thrive in our country is if we continue to have broken individuals, whether it is women that are mothers that are broken by GPV but don't heal and reproduce, men that are also angry, families that are broken, that are unable to support the survivors when they are struggling and continue to silence them. Because we know that most survivors tend to go to family first before even going to the police institutions that are supposed to support the survivors. But when the survivors speak out, they actually continue to break them. And a community, Kathy, that continues to tell women, stay for the sake of the children. As Uno Zipo was saying, she was staying for the sake of the children, but we know that it creates more damage for a, a, a child to stay in a family where there's violence than to stay with parents that are separated but get along. So I, I just, what she said, at the core of this work in our police uh, is no longer extra policies and laws. It's around the individuals in South Africa that carry deep, deep-seated brokenness and woundedness that continue to perpetuate trauma. What is happening to us, we have not yet healed. And the final thing, Katie, that I thought was so, so important that she said, and, and in such a sensitive conversation around how we work with men and women, uh, men and young boys, because from the, as somebody who works in trauma, one type of violence or trauma that later leads to the perpetration of violence is trauma. So inside most of the perpetrators is deeply wounded young and traumatized young boys. So how do we also begin to do that work? Nosipo, this conversation around the impact of leaving, especially where there are children involved and you know, it's a family structure. You've made commitments to uh, families to say that, no, I'm going to be with this person forever and ever, whatever the case might be. Um, oftentimes, women are also afraid of managing the situation once you have left, the logistics around it, because they see what happens 
to those around them and and they feel that they just don't have the energy to put themselves through that what would you say um especially having come out on on the other side of 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 that experience and having done the hard work of 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 putting yourself and your children through leaving through having to figure your lives out from scratch and and start start over really um it's it's not easy <clears throat> it's it's not easy at all uh even for you to leave it's like something just drives you it's like it's not you anymore you know mm-hmm. that's why you would leave and never go back you leave as if when i left i left going to work and i never came back I, I made arrangements with my sister and I asked her to go. You know, I told them she's going to come pick them up. She must get a few clothes. Don't show everything. Don't, you know, don't leave anything that's going to make him suspect, you know, and, and leave the key there. He'll find it there. And I left. I never even thought of, you know, uh, the after effect. Uh, the emotional, you know, damage that I already have now that I have to work on myself. I didn't even have that in mind. The only thing was that I need to save myself. Mm -hmm. I need to save my kids. This is it. Mm -hmm. Everything else, I feel like God was also there throughout. It was not easy. There was was a point where I I even had to run away. I stayed go yovel deflating. It was not even safe. But because I knew her, he knew where where he would find me. He knew her, you know, he's, he's, he, he can be able to access my house, break the door, do whatever that he wants to do. So I had to run away for a period of time where I know I'm not safe where I am, my kids are not safe, and my kids are probably wondering why are we in this shady place when we actually had a home. You know, mm. and and I can't even explain this to the kids that I left your dad because of it. They know it, but I feel like they I still need to protect them. So having to deal with coming back now, uh, working on my confidence, working it's 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 God, it's God. And I still say, uh, you know, once you once and you say, you know what, God, this is where I am now. This is where you've put me, and you probably trusted me something, but it's too much now. Can you forgive me for what I'm about to do? Because I'm leaving. I don't believe in Nama divorce. I don't believe, but also I, I think that's why I had my second child with him because I prayed and I asked God, please show me a way. Should I stay? Should I leave? Because I hear people say I must stay. I must leave. But should I do it? Mm. And then I then f- fell pregnant with my son and I stayed, mm. you know. And, and when I decided then to leave, I was like, God, please forgive me. I'm walking away. And, you know, um, Numfundo, I know you have to go in, in a moment. So I, I'll sort of come to you for the final time in this hour. Um, something that Dr. Pumzilim Lambunguka said, you know, just in the, in the past week at, at a women's summit, um, she she really highlighted the role globally, the role that religion, that traditional norms and culture play in reinforcing and creating an environment that is conducive for the abuse of women. Um, and I'm listening to Nozipo and how she says that, you know, she used to pray um, to, to say, Lord, 
help me get out of this situation. But because she didn't believe in, in divorce, very much stayed in that situation. And it says to me that there's a conflict there, an internal conflict that is taking place. And, and I don't think that she's the only woman who goes through this conflict, um, whether it's religion, whether it's tra tradition, whether it's culture, or, or just societal norms that create this conflict in oneself. Yeah. So, Katie, I, I think both uh, have just beautifully highlighted the cost of, first of all, breaking the silence and then of living, both at a psychological, financial, social, and spiritual level. I just wanted to highlight that because as a society, we need to see how to better support survivors. Mm. It is not an easy journey, and picking up the pieces afterwards and the psychological work that actually happens. And what you've highlighted is so critical, Katie. Because for me, is is the harmful practices that we see both at a, in, in, in religion, um, in our beliefs, in families and in communities. We have to start to identify what are some of those practices and the things that we say. Even statements like, if I'm saying properly, <laughs> that actually um, enable that to happen. There is a statement that we, we had in 2017 when we did the research on violence against women, where we were looking at everyday perpetrators to say what are the people or things that are enabling the perpetration to know that if a woman comes and I tell you, I am perpetrating that, 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 that violence. If as a church we tell people and saying that um, God hates divorce, even when you are in danger, we are perpetrating that violence. When we only talk about men being the head of the family and not talking about their responsibility and loving and caring for the people that they love, we are perpetrating it. So you are right, Kate. There are practices that we have taken as normal in society, in various institutions of society, that are actually making it difficult, first, for women to speak up, and secondly, for women to leave, and thirdly, when women have left to be able to rebuild their lives, mm. in that are, the lives that are actually better. So the, I say the work of dealing with GPV is not just in the police kit, it's with each and every one of us and the institutions that we are in because there are things we are doing that is making things very difficult for women. All right. Well, thank you so much for your contribution to uh, this conversation. Nomfundo Mohabi Desh is the CEO of the Center for Mental Wellness and Leadership. Um, Nomfundo talks about you know, the fact that this is not a responsibility for the police alone. Did any of you ever consider going to the police to, to lay complaints? Actually, I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I went to the police um, on one incident. Um, it was done publicly, so um, the car stood there and one of the gentlemen, they was like, no, 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 you're coming in with me and we're going to the police station. I went there to the police station and... Uh, I, I think I'll just give credit to the SAPS of South Africa when it be dealing with um, gender-based violence. They first take you to the safe room and you, you just go there, there's your shower, your bed, and they give you proper food before they can even come and now ask you what happened. Do you want to open a case? Do you want to, one, two, and three? Do you want to go to a safe home? So I did that. I went mm -hmm. through that process. I went through, um, what do they call it? protection order mm. the, the police did help me 
but um as usis nomfundo is saying it's not really about the police are just gonna go there and who's done whatever it is but to be quite honest the work must be done within ourselves because at the end of the day you the same person that was being beaten up is the very same person that's gonna go drop charges so we're also putting so much pressure on saps even though they're trying but us as also us as women and men are failing our system when it comes to gender-based violence because i feel like i think it's better when it's dealt with mentally and psychologically because now i think when you go there and open a case and you've already dealt with it got your help got your counseling empowered yourself and this is where when you say enough is enough you mean enough is enough not enough 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 is enough to scare the real partner of saying i don't want you to do this to me right. i love you yeah All right thanks for that contribution nozipo we're edging towards the end of this conversation um why have you started usukulitu foundation what are you hoping to achieve just in a minute before we wrap up okay um we just want to empower women that were previously abused because yes there is a lot of organizations that are dealing with counseling and so forth but then what happens thereafter so we decided we're going to give them at least skills within the agricultural space computer literature um sewing as well so that they can be able to empower themselves we can actually do um, a contract with schools and then they can you know distribute or supply a certain school with their sewing skills do amajesis agricultural space we've partnered up with um a guru agricultural college where it's actually giving two scholarships to women that were previously abused so they can come and study whatever they want to do in agriculture and then we also do a farming to table dinner experience that's where now we're doing different d- events at different farms for them to network with farmers for them to uh, have contact with them. We're actually having one now on the 30th of September in Milder Street. Um, we're inviting people to come and then have that experience, um, mingle with people, network with them, and then that's where you get your contact because already if you're a farmer in your backyard room, you're going to meet a, uh, someone that's on a larger scale. Right. Then you can be able to. All right. So what we'll do is that we'll put your contacts up on our social media pages so that anybody who wants to reach out to you following this conversation will be able to do that. Thank you both for coming into studio and for sharing your stories. Um, These are not easy experiences to have gone through, uh, but certainly good to see you come out on on the other side and show um, other women who may well be in the same position you've been in before that it is possible to get to the other side. Uh, Nongula Gomtembu and Nozipo Bule, both uh, co-founders of Usukuletu Foundation. All right, we're going to take a quick break that will lead us into the 11 o'clock news.